Hi, I'm Tess, and this is Blind Crime. With cases like these, you'll never see it coming. Welcome to Blind Crime, and with cases like these, you'll never see it coming. I want to give a little insight into the new name. If you've been here for a while, then you know my story, but if you're new, then you have no idea. So, I'm a type 1 diabetic, and I have diabetic eye disease, diabetic retinopathy. I've had three eye surgeries and a countless number of eye injections, and yes, they are as bad as they sound. But I'm doing pretty well, except for these stubborn little blood vessels that try and grow behind my eyes. These blood vessels rupture, and when they do, back behind my eyes fill with blood and completely obscure my vision, leaving me temporarily blind. The blood eventually clears, though, and my vision comes back, but it takes time, and in that time, I am completely blind. This happened right before Thanksgiving, and I made a joke about calling the podcast Blind Crime, since I'm sometimes blind. The joke stuck, and thus the podcast has changed. I also started off for the record because I wanted to cover trials, but it ended up up being just another true crime podcast, so the name really didn't seem fitting anymore. Eventually, though, I do want to start for the record again and cover trials only on that podcast, plus have blind crime. But that's not going to happen anytime soon. (laughs) One podcast is hard enough to manage at the moment, but when I am ready to start covering trials on for the record, you'll be the first to know. So with all that being said, let's dig into our first case of 2024. I was not going to cover this case on the podcast. I didn't want to. My dear friend Amber sent me a video of the trial and while I was immediately sucked into it, I knew that I was not going to cover it at all. But then I noticed that no one else was talking about it. Out of all the podcasts that I listen to, all of the YouTube channels I watch, all of the crime pages and social media pages that I follow, Only one person had done anything on this case, and I knew that I had to talk about it because this young boy deserves his story to be told. He deserves justice. He deserves so much more than what he was given and what happened to him. He was just 15 years old, and his life was taken from him at the hands of his mother and his older brother. Their actions are inexcusable. Their treatment of this boy are heinous, and the question, what if, rings louder and louder the more you hear the story. A quick trigger warning, this case involves child abuse and graphic content, so please listen at your own discretion. 
Timothy Richard Ferguson was born on August 6, 2016, or I'm sorry, 2006, to parents Shonda and Eric Ferguson. Timothy was the youngest child at the time, the third boy in the family, and he was as precious as you could imagine a newborn to be. With blonde hair and hazel eyes, he was destined to grow up to be a heartbreaker. While there isn't much I could find on Timothy's younger life, watching his trial gave a lot of insight into his personality as a teenager. He was a total boy. He loved taking things apart and trying to put them back together. He was a growing boy, like all teenagers, and food was one of his favorite things. He wasn't thin, but he also wasn't overweight. According to his older brother, he had a bit of pudge to him. Timothy had also been diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. While he was high-functioning, he still faced some challenges and behavioral issues because of that. That wasn't just because of autism, though. According to Timothy's older brother, Paul, who testified in the trial against their mother, Timothy was also ADHD, had a, censoring process, had a sensory processing disorder, had poor motor skills, and according to Shonda, his mother, he was bipolar. I take everything that Shonda says with a grain of salt, though, because Shonda is a piece of crap human being who tries to look cute in braids. It just doesn't work. Timothy was living with his father in Oklahoma, but was taken in by Shonda when his father and stepmother threatened to send him into foster care. They claimed that Timothy's behavior was too much for them to handle, and they needed him gone. How awful is that? I understand sometimes teenagers can be a lot to handle. Trust me, I was one, and I was, like, manic depressive with severe anxiety and daddy issues. So I know that teenagers in general can be hard to handle, but when you add in mental disorders and health issues, you're gonna have a tough time. But that doesn't mean that you have to send your kid into foster care just because you're having a hard time with him. There's resources out there to help you. Okay, getting off my soapbox. In 2021, Shonda said she would take Timothy, and so Timothy went to live with her and his two brothers. Paul was 19 at the time, and the younger brother, whose name we will not be releasing because he's a minor, was somewhere around the age of 10. How exactly Timothy was legally able to go live with his mother is a mystery to me. She did not have any custody rights of Timothy and could only see him if her visits were supervised. The details of why this is are unknown, but it just baffles me that a mother who couldn't even see her son without a chaperone could end up with him living in her home. Maybe that's why his dad said he was going to send him into foster care. If only a kind, loving family could have gotten him instead he'd still be here. When Timothy first came to the home in the spring of 2021, things didn't seem too odd. Shonda was in law school at the time, and her husband, who would later move out of the home due to medical reasons, was also working. Paul was working part-time as a dishwasher at Applebee's and was helping out financially with groceries for the family. 
When Shonda's husband had a stroke and became unable to work, the financial load fell solely on Shonda, while Paul was still helping out occasionally with groceries. Paul had also not been living with Shonda up until a year or so before Timothy came, and because of his mental state, he was willing to do whatever he could to impress Shonda and make her proud of him. He did everything that she asked, everything that she said. He was her puppet, and this will become more prevalent in the story as we continue. So immediately after his arrival, motion sensors were placed around the house to let the family know if Timothy was moving around. According to his stepmother, per Shonda, Timothy would sneak around at night and take things apart and go through the kitchen and eat whatever food he could find. According to Shonda, he took apart their gas water heater, leaving them without hot water until they could get it fixed. So the motion sensors were a way to alert the family to Timothy's overnight escapades and possibly prevent him from doing anything. If only this is where it ended. The motion sensors weren't enough, though, for Shonda, and according to her testimony, they had cameras in the downstairs of their house because the little brother would take off all of his clothes and run around naked. Big deal. Like, little boys do that, don't they? She also said that the cameras were there to communicate between levels so stepdad could call little brother upstairs if he wanted or needed him. Stepdad apparently was paralyzed and used a wheelchair and couldn't go up and down the stairs, It was some sort of disability he was born with, but these cameras that were innocently used for communication purposes quickly turned into ways for Shonda and Paul to watch Timothy and keep a closer eye on him. I wish that someone would have gone into more detail about the behavioral issues Timothy supposedly had other than midnight eating and mechanics. That might help me better understand why the cameras were in place. But honestly, as things progress, I don't think understanding why really matters. In February of 2022, things began to get even worse for Timothy. In the nine months he had been living with his mother, Timothy had not gone to the doctor, not gone to school, or had any kind of life outside of the home. The medication he was on for his ADHD and other diagnoses had all run out and no attempt was made to find a doctor or a place where they could go and get him seen and have his medications refilled. In her testimony, Shonda said that she wanted Timothy off of his medications because whenever he took them, he was a zombie. So you have a zombie, then you have someone who is absolutely wild apparently and she also said that Paul was the same way whenever he came to live with her he was on a whole bunch of medications a bag of medications as she put it and he came off all of his medications and wasn't a zombie anymore I don't know he was being homeschooled according to Shonda and Paul but his life still was still confined to the four walls of the home that he had been forced to move to Because of his, quote, unnecessary eating, locks were placed on the pantry and refrigerator doors to prevent Timothy from eating when he wasn't supposed to. According to Shonda's testimony, there was an unlocked pantry that Timothy could eat anything out of at any time, but I personally do not believe her. 
Because of the cameras in the home, Shauna could see what Timothy was doing 24-7. If he ate anything he wasn't supposed to, he was punished. If he acted out in any way, he was punished. If he whined or whimpered or made any kind of noise, he was punished. How was he punished? I wish that I didn't know. Timothy would be sent to his room, a closet known as the, quote, small room, where he would be forced to stand or do wall sits with his hands handcuffed or zip-tied behind his back. I will also say that this small room only had a blue tarp in the floor. And because of Timothy's bladder problems, Shonda didn't want him to pee on the floor. She said that he had a mattress in there and the reason that they put him in the closet was because he wanted a space of his own, but I don't know. I have a really hard time buying that. There was also a bunk bed outside of the closet and he wasn't allowed to sleep on that. And according to Shonda, the reason he wasn't allowed to sleep on that is because he tried to pull the bed apart and it was unsafe. But again, I really don't know if I believe that. So if Timothy sat down or tried to get a bit more comfortable in a small room while he had his hands cuffed or zip tied behind his back, he would be punished further. Ice baths were also a common threat for Timothy. A cold bath filled with ice cubes where Timothy was made to lay in the freezing water, sometimes for hours on end. Shauna claimed that the ice bath was because of what he did to the water heater, but why make him continue to do that once it was fixed? Better yet, why punish him like that at all? Shauna and Paul would also force him to eat bread covered in hot sauce. Not just any kind of hot sauce, though. Special ordered hot sauce that could not be bought in stores. The peppers used in this hot sauce, Carolina Reapers, are some of the hottest peppers known to man, coming in at almost 1,500,000 on the Scoville scale. In comparison, a jalapeno is only 2,500. Black pepper is too spicy for me sometimes, okay? I can't fathom eating bread soaked in hot sauce that is made from Carolina Reapers. This soon became the only food that Timothy was allowed to eat. If he ate, if he ate all of the bread and didn't cry or complain, then after 30 minutes he was allowed to have plain bread with no hot sauce. But that's it. Nothing else. The hot sauce was kept in the downstairs bathroom for easy access whenever Timothy was out of line. When they really wanted to get him, they would pour the hot sauce directly into Timothy's mouth. During the trial, over 80 pages of text messages were read and shared with the court between Shonda and Paul. These text messages were horrific, and some of them I can't, I can't even make myself repeat. Paul often threatened to kill Timothy if he didn't stop acting so badly, and Shonda never told him not to. She never told him to kill Timothy, but she never explicitly said, no, don't kill your brother. Alright guys, we're going to jump into a quick ad real quick, and then we will be right back. One of the text messages 
really got me though it was between shonda and paul shonda telling paul that she'd scraped up enough change to buy the little brother some chicken nuggets from mcdonald's after his baseball game and she instructed paul to give timothy hot sauce soaked bread for dinner little brother gets chicken nuggets but timothy got bread that was essentially burning him from the inside out that just flew all over me other texts that were shared instructed Paul to give Timothy an ice bath for sneaking candy or some food in the pantry. He was ordered to punish Timothy when Timothy ate a whole bag of frozen chicken nuggets. Imagine being so hungry and desperate for food that you eat frozen chicken nuggets. Frozen. Still cold. Still hard. Shonda said in her testimony that she punished Timothy for this because the chicken wasn't cooked. It was raw. That it could have killed him. Okay, Miss Law School, you're telling me that you didn't know that frozen chicken nuggets are pre-cooked? That when you heat them up in the microwave, you aren't cooking them, you're just making them hot? I don't buy that. She also claimed that Timothy ate a pound of uncooked bacon and a pound of raw hamburger meat, but she didn't worry about those. Isn't E. coli something you can get from eating uncooked meat? Wait, let me check my law books. Hold on. Oh, shoot, I don't have any. I guess I know nothing. Paul claimed in his testimony that Timothy ate the crust of a hamburger at one point, and instead of just letting him eat it and letting it slide, Shonda made Paul stick his fingers down Timothy's throat in order to induce vomiting. Paul said that this was not the only time Shonda instructed him to do this. In late June of 2022, Paul was instructed to give Timothy an ice bath, and while Timothy was taking off his clothes, Paul took a picture and sent it to Shonda saying, Mama, he looks really thin. I think we should actually feed him, and Shonda said to give him a piece of plain bread. Paul knew that Timothy needed more than just bread and actually fixed him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and made him scrambled eggs with cheese. Unfortunately for Timothy and for Paul, that one small meal was not enough to undo the damage that had been done in the months prior. In the early morning hours of July 6, 2022, Timothy would be found in his room, not breathing. Shonda and Paul quickly dressed Timothy in oversized clothes, Paul using his own belt to put around Timothy's waist to keep his pants up. He had only been wearing an adult diaper and a t-shirt at the time. It's unclear who called 911, but when EMS arrived, they were shocked at the sight of the boy who was lying in the floor. Timothy's ribs were protruding from his chest. You could see every single bone in his body. The fatty tissue between his joints was gone. There was nothing but literal skin and bone. He had no muscle mass, no weight to him at all. He weighed a shocking 69 pounds. That is below the zero percentile for someone at his age. Police began investigating the scene and found it odd that there were so many cameras and motion sensors around the home. Even stranger, they thought, were the bottles of hot sauce on the bathroom counter. Shauna told police that after her husband's stroke, Timothy had gone on a hunger strike and hadn't eaten in several days. Police knew that couldn't possibly be true, though, due to the state Timothy was in. Shauna and Paul were taken to the police station for questioning, but were, were released that same day. 
The next day, police came back to investigate further and found that some of the cameras had been removed and that the state of the home was much different than it had been the night before. Within a few hours, both Shauna and Paul were arrested in regards to the murder of Timothy Ferguson. The trial was almost impossible to watch. Paul took the stand against his mother and his testimony absolutely broke my heart. He too suffers from mental health problems and it's obviously obvious that he needs some kind of help. He said that when he came to live with Shonda, he developed, although while not diagnosed, a sort of Stockholm Syndrome with her and that he wanted to do everything he could to make her happy and make her proud of him. He blames his low self-esteem on part of that, but also knows that there are other factors that contribute to it. He admitted to knowing what he did was wrong, and even though he couldn't see it in the moment, he pled guilty to child abuse. When asked if he loved him as Timothy, his answer was, at the time, I didn't love him enough. Just think about that for a minute. Think about how, how awful he must feel doing what his mother said and because of where his mentality was at not realizing that it was so horrific and so wrong and then being asked if you love loved your brother and telling the court at the time I didn't love him enough that that just that made me cry. That made me cry. Paul has yet to have a trial or face sentencing for his part in Timothy's death, and he testified knowing that it may or may not help his case. He wanted the truth out, and he wanted to show that he was, in fact, sorry for the acts he committed on his brother. He feels guilt from it. He knows it was wrong. He even said that when he fed Timothy more than what he was supposed to, he didn't tell Shonda because he didn't want her to be mad at him. And it makes me wonder what kind of abuse he went through before Timothy came into the picture. I'm not saying that I think he should get off scot-free. He absolutely should not. But I'm pointing this out because he took responsibility for his actions and his part in what happened to Timothy. He wasn't placing blame solely on Shonda. While he did say Shonda instructed him to do these things, he admitted that he himself did them and he knows he can't deny that. He doesn't want to deny that. He wants to take responsibility for what he did. He said he wanted to give Timothy some kind of justice. Shonda, on the other hand, did the exact opposite. I said earlier that she lied, and boy, did she ever. She blamed Paul for everything. The handcuffs, the zip ties, the hot sauce, the ice baths, the lack of food. It was all Paul's ideas. And when she couldn't blame them on Paul, she claimed she doesn't remember because she has PTSD from her husband's stroke and disassociates at random. Conveniently, when she was telling Paul to do some of the most heinous things to Timothy. When shown pictures of what Timothy looked like the night that she died, she immediately threw up, or supposedly threw up, on the stand. There is some speculation that the whole thing was faked, which, coming from Shonda, I would not be surprised. 
She also supposedly had a panic attack when the text messages between her and Paul were being read. And I'm not saying that the panic attack was fake, but I think it may have been self-induced or at least brought on by the fact that she was about to get her butt handed to her and she couldn't stop or hide it. Honestly, her testimony was worse than Amber Heard's. I actually think that she watched Amber Heard's testimony and tried to one-up it on worst acting because it was awful. The fact that she took no accountability, no responsibility for her actions, the fact that she lied, the fact that she blamed everything she could on her son, it was just awful. Then, on top of all that, her attorney even tried to claim that Shauna didn't know what she was doing was harming her son and that she was keeping him safe by taking him in when his father couldn't handle him anymore. So, Miss law student who passed the bar with flying colors, record-breaking scores, intelligent to the max, left her with no common sense. I don't even know. I truly just don't even know. On December 21st, 2023, Shonda Ark was found guilty of murder and child abuse. She potentially faces life in prison without the possibility of parole. Her sentencing hearing will be on January 29th of 2024. This case broke my heart in ways that I can't even explain. From what happened to Timothy, even to Paul, this woman deserves every bit of prison time she gets, plus some. This case really reminds me of the book A Child Called It by Dave Peltzer. If you haven't read that book, don't. Or do. I can't tell you what to do. But it is one of the saddest books I've ever read, and I can't believe that a mother would do such horrific things to their child to Dave Peltzer or to Timothy Ferguson or in any case. If you or someone you know is suffering from child abuse, you can call the National Center for Missing or Exploited Children and file a report at 800-843-5678. Again, that's 800-843-5678. Something I'm hearing more and more these days in any abuse case is, if you see something, say something. It may be nothing, or you may be saving a life. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. Please leave a five-star review because you know that really helps me out. Also, if you want ad-free episodes, I will be launching my Patreon soon, so stay tuned for that. I'll be back next week with another case and you'll never see it coming.